everyone. Welcome to Loving This Life podcast, hosted by yours truly, Abby Hillis, founder of ACH Events and co-founder of The Twelfth Woman, an advocacy group fighting for sexual assault survivors. This podcast is about loving the life that you live and 100% owning it and being happy with it. Each episode will include a guest or thoughts to help bring your dreams to reality, understand true commitment in life, and help turn some of your darkest days into the brightest years. So grab some coffee, some wine, or whatever tickles your fancy, and join me on this adventure of finding happiness and taking charge. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Loving This Life podcast. I am super excited to bring you guys my first guest for 2019. What, what? We have Miss Rachel. She is a boss babe, first and foremost, and she is someone that I have been told that I needed to bring on far before the podcast even came to fruition. We have a mutual friend, Nikki, and Nikki reached out to me and told me, you know, Rachel's someone that you should totally have on there. And it's taken a couple months for us to connect and for us to get together. But here we are, and we are more than blessed to be able to pick her brain and hear all of her tips and tricks and workplace insight on just how to be a stronger and more successful woman in the workplace and just really in society. She's very successful herself and has a lot of stuff to share with us and insight. So without further ado, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. So give a little background. Let us know how you are, where you're at now, and kind of start with that so we all know. So yeah, I'm Rachel DeCherno. I work at ADP. Um, I've actually worked at ADP my entire career. So ever since I graduated college, I've, I've been there. Been able to achieve and maneuver through a lot of different things. That's put me in a really good position to empower other women to figure that's out how awesome. to navigate the workplace. Yeah. Um, and I think that more now than ever, this is a conversation that's really being accepted and had on a much more regular basis around how do we support women at work? How do we help mothers at work? Mm. How do we make sure that we have a support system? How do you know kind of how to position yourself to get what you want? And I think that traditionally those have just been things that haven't been talked about as much amongst women. Totally. And now that the conversations are becoming much more normal, I think that we're starting to understand how much we have to offer. Yep. And I think that it's being accepted in a really positive manner right now. And so I'm just trying to keep the conversations going and really help women kind of ride this momentum that we're experiencing right now Yeah. around how we can really make a difference in the workplace And really find balance between that and our home life. Totally. Because I think traditionally that's been something that's really been a challenge for a lot of different women. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just a really exciting time right now. I've really dove headfirst into the workplace, got my certification in HR. So I'm PHR certified, which is a professional in human resources. So really became a subject matter expert in HR. And a lot of that originally started with kind of like the foundational laws and like what you're entitled to and and what you can and cannot do in the workplace. And now it's really molded into culture and engagement and family leave and all of these really impactful things that make a big difference in people's happiness. And I think it's really important to be happy at work. And so the more that we can have conversations around what do we need to be happy at work, I think the much more attainable it will become. 
Totally. That's interesting because I've been doing this research on managing like baby boomers versus millennials and centennials and how it's such a different like dynamic to manage Mm -hmm. one versus the other. Whereas like baby boomers, they just want to come and get their job done. Mm -hmm. They don't need the feel good, do good like mentality. And now it's like, if you're employing millennials and centennials, like you have to do those, the benefits and the like give back Mm -hmm. and like, what are you doing? Community outreach and things like that in order to be able to keep them retain your employees and keep the millennials happy. Like I said, I was yeah. like, you've been at ADP for seven years. Like you defy all millennial, like, yes. dim, like any rule ever. Like we're the ones that hop every two years. Right. Yeah. And kind of to the fact that I've been at ADP for seven years and a lot of people do ask me like higher ups at ADP, just for everybody that's listening to know ADP, we're a huge company. We're a fortune 100 company. We have 50,000 employees across oh the world. Gosh. We are like a 3M or an IBM. We're like, yeah. nobody really knows what they do, but they're just like really big companies. Right. Um, so ADP, we do payroll and human resources. So I'm, I'm in sales and I sell payroll and HR outsourcing, which is why I decided to get PHR certified and really become a subject matter expert in my field. Mm. Um, and I think that one ADP giving me the freedom and one, like the budget, they actually paid for me to get PHR certified. That's awesome. That really helped me stay in the game Yep. because again, kind of to your point, these different generations are looking for different things in the workforce. And I think that that is a big thing that's pushing this shift that we're seeing right now where women can ask for more at work and there's the me too movement that has happened and all of these different things the different generations being a big piece of them or what is kind of pushing that shift that we're seeing and so for me I went to school at Texas State and whenever I graduated I immediately went to ADP and did an internship Mm. so I I interned for about six months, they offered me the full-time position. I transitioned full-time and I spent two years in my entry-level position Yep, and just grinded it out. I mean, it was a sales position, like cold calling, like setting meetings, very transactional. And like I put in the really hard work. And so I think that that's kind of first and foremost to know like everything that we talk through, like you've got to put in the work to be able to ask the ask and know kind of what your value is and and that you've done what you need to do to be able to ask for some additional freedom. So after two years of just really grinding it out and being pretty successful, I was very open with my management team about what I wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big piece of why I've been able to stay at ADP for so long and really do something different every two years is because I was comfortable having those conversations. Mm. And I think that so often women in particular feel like those conversations might be awkward, Mm -hmm. that they're hard to even bring up. Yep. And I think something that really helped me feel empowered to be able to do that was one, finding mentors within ADP that had already done it. Mm. And then I had a handful of mentors within ADP, but I'll remember a really good piece of advice that I got was, you need to find additional mentors outside of your company. And I think that that really helped me get not only kind of the internal insights of of my big Fortune 500 company, but also having people externally kind of reaffirm that what I'm asking for is legitimate and it's definitely doable. So I was able to have those conversations with my leadership team about really what I was striving to do. And I wanted a bigger challenge. I wanted a longer sales cycle, a more complex HR conversation. I wanted to be able to get more of my business from referrals. 
And so because of the fact that I was able to have these conversations and really be able to build a business case around why it made sense for me to be able to navigate into this position based off of what I had already achieved, the minute the position was available, I was the first person they came to. I barely even had to interview for it. So that was like a really big reaffirming moment for me was you can be happy at work and you can advocate for yourself and you can find people to support you yeah. and you can be vocal about what you want at work. And I think that the more comfortable we can get doing that, one, we'll see people feeling like they have to leave their jobs because mm-hmm. so many of my girlfriends come to me. Ever since I got PHR certified, I had a lot of people reach out and tell me these insane workplace stories just because they knew it's that crazy. I, it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. crazy. I'm um, sure you've heard ridiculous ones. I mean, it's crazy, the different things. And, you know, if if I wouldn't have been PHR certified, maybe that's why they felt like they could come to me. But everybody should feel like you have someone to go to to talk totally. about these things at work. And it should be your employer. Yes. That's like the big thing yes. is that like no one wants to go to their employer. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that too, having people internally that support you, that you feel comfortable having those conversations with is so, so critical. And if you're at a smaller company where you feel like, hey, there's only 30 people that work here, like I can't find that person because I've had girlfriends in those types of situations, then look at externally, but you need to be able to look externally build up a good practice conversation, build up a business case, and then take it internal and have those conversations. Whether you feel like they're not maximizing your strengths, you feel like you're being treated unfairly at work. You know, I've, I've had girlfriends who have just had awkward situations around company Christmas parties and just like things mm. like if it gives you this gut feeling like it's just not yes. really right, it's probably not. Yep. And the more that we can just support each other and say, hey, like it's okay to call people out and say that that made you feel uncomfortable or yep. that you don't maybe want to go into this and you feel like you're getting pushed in this one direction to do this role. And if it's not what aligns with your strengths, like feel confident that you can tell people that. I think that's huge is confidence. Mm -hmm. It's like there's, you know, I guess when the millennials are raising these children and they're saying, you know, allow the girl to be bossy, but don't call it bossy because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a negative connotation. But I think as grown women and millennials, we feel like when we are confident, like especially in yes. the work- workplace, it can come off as like total like yeah. bossiness instead of just confidence. Like, I know what I want. Mm-hmm. And men don't really like that a lot yes. of the time, especially older men who are stuck in their ways and don't like change. Yep. And then here we are like rambunctious women, like trying yes. to come in and just not necessarily stir the pot, but just say, Hey, things aren't working. We should do them this way or we should change or like this would be better. Mm-hmm. And I have confidence that I know what I'm doing. And it's like, right. how do you have the confidence? You've only been doing this for two years and I've yes. been doing it for 50. And <laughs> yeah, totally. It's scary to walk up to someone and have that confidence and yeah. be like, totally like hold your own and defend yourself. It is. And especially in an environment where you feel like you might be the only one doing it. Yes. That makes it even harder. But I think the more that you can just try to lead by example, like somebody's got to go first. I always think that like, how can you lead by example? And somebody's always have to be the first one to do it. Ooh, I like that. So maybe it means that you have to be the first one to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever you're, you're thinking of this kind of bossy mentality, like, Bossy can really be reframed as, like, women have leadership traits. Totally. And if that was a little boy doing it, they'd probably be like, oh, he's going to be a leader one day. But then women get this kind of reverse role of being seen as a bossy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even something I'll remember when, when I was really young. Really young. Okay, I just turned 29. So I started <laughs> at ADP when I was 22. Um, but when I was, like, 22 or 23, I remember my first manager telling me, she said, Rachel, the most important thing that you can do 
being young at work is just be hyper mindful of the way that you have your presence and the way that you hold a space. Mm. And I feel like that was the best advice I'd ever gotten. That's incredible advice. Before I was really into yoga and even understood like what holding a space meant. And energy and yes. walking into a room and it, like comprehending the energy. Yes. But there was a couple of like basic tactical things. And it was simple things like your posture matters. Mm-hmm. Like set your shoulders back, chin up. Mm-hmm. Like don't like let yourself feel like you're belittled physically because don't cross. Yes, and people yeah. can pick up on that, especially subconsciously. Yeah, like men will pick up on men. it and not even realize it. Yes, it's like oh, she doesn't have confidence, right? Or like oh, we don't need to listen to her. She's timid. Yeah, yep. totally. So posture. She even told me things like wear lipstick. It makes you look a little bit older. Like if you need to throw on some lipstick, throw on some lipstick. So just those little tips like that that really helped me just be very mindful of how I'm being viewed in a room of. People that could all probably be my father, to be totally honest, when I was first at ADP. And I think that that was, again, back to the confidence piece, when you can get that type of stride in your step and that little bit of confidence that you're just really able to ride that boost, I think that it really does have an impact on just the day-to-day way that you show up to work and the impression that you make on the people that you work with. And it goes a long way, too, to back again, kind of leading by example, and having other women see how you're able to carry yourself at work. And it gives them the ability to see that it's totally doable. Yep. I can even think at ADP recently, probably about a year ago, I started this new kind of trend in our Austin office. And it's called No Makeup Mondays. And I was the first one to do it. And that is freaking awesome. After like five <laughs> years at ADP, I was just like, why? Am I waking up and getting ready for work on Mondays when all we do on Mondays is sit in our cubes and do admin work and then have like virtual team meetings? I was like this. I'm just not doing it. So I didn't like make a big deal about it. I didn't like ask for permission. I knew that I didn't legally have to wear makeup to work. So I just stopped doing it one day. Like I just stopped doing it. I just showed up to work on Monday morning with no makeup. And like a couple of girls in my office were like, oh my gosh, you're not wearing makeup. I was like, I know it feels so good. I love it. Um, (laughs) And now it's great because, I mean, there's two girls in my office right now who are pregnant and like, I haven't seen them wear makeup to the office on a Monday in a really long time. Oh, I bet they love it. They love it. And the guys in their office will be like, what up? No makeup Monday. So it's really cool to see them embrace it. And I just, so cool. Just like little things like that, where you can make these small changes at work that don't have to be super, super massive or this huge undertaking, and it doesn't have to be company-wide. There's a little things that you can do to just mm-hmm. continue to even the playing field. And I remember one time somebody asking me about it, and I was like, well, guys don't have to wake up every morning and put on makeup. It's like, I didn't want to do it either. And there's times when it's appropriate, like if I'm going to a client-facing meeting. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. But I felt like that little thing was a way that I could lead by example, that I could show other women that it's okay not to do it. Somebody yep. had to do it first. And now all the guys in our office feel like it's actually pretty cool. And I think that it helps them understand and actually see some of these different pressures that are put on women that they don't have to do or even think about. Yeah. Well, they probably didn't even realize it was a thing until yeah. until the attention was almost taken off of it, which in return almost put it on. Yes. And, yeah. And, and they're it, like, wait, they're not wearing makeup on Monday. God, I didn't even think they have to put makeup on every right. day. And it just <laughs> makes us more human. Like, yeah. they see their wives every day without makeup. Like, we're all human at work. And that I think that's Ooh. something else that 
I'm super passionate about is like, I feel like you should be able to bring your whole self to work and you should be able to be your truest human self, even at work. And with what's kind of happening with modern day technology and we have email on our phones 24 seven and our calendars are on our phones. And Oh yeah. Like there's a very blurry line between work and not work now. Absolutely. Um, It's so blurred that we have to figure out a way to merge life and happiness and work all together. Mm, Yes. And especially now with like the gig economy and people doing freelance, I think we're going to see a lot more unconventional roles that women can fill and them too having to juggle that with traditional at home type of duties whether that's you're a mom and you have kids or you're just taking care of the household whatever it is we're continuing to see more and more blending of these types of things in the workplace which I think is really phenomenal oh yeah and Um, like allowing people to work from home two days a week or you know like hey you don't need to spend four hours a week in your car Mm -hmm. let's cut that in half and you only come in twice or three times a week which yeah. You know, whether it's male or female doing things like that, it's a quality of life. Yes. That's another thing that male or female, I think hopefully soon we'll see America have some type of family leave policy. Mm. We're the only well-developed country that does not have any family leave whatsoever. Yeah. What up, Sweden? A year for both right? parents kills yes. me. Yes. It's really insane how far behind we are on that. Like all America says is we'll give you 12 weeks off your job. You don't have to get paid. You're going to get paid nothing. But we'll give you 12 weeks off, and we'll just guarantee that you can have your job back. And that but is it just, even that job? I thought it was like it has to just be any job of equal pay. Yeah. So right? they have to let you come back to the company, but you are right. They can shuffle you around. around. But you so have to be able crazy. to go back. It is insane. Um, and because companies aren't held to that standard, I think that they don't learn to... Like, it doesn't force them to prioritize people that they should. Yes. And so instead, it's like, you're a number you can be replaced when really it's like, I have to hold this spot for you. So what am I going to do so that I can invest in you to make you a decent employee that's worth holding a spot for six months or a year or whatever? And then it requires them to dip their toe into things like flex work. Like, hey, maybe you can ease back into work. And instead of... Brilliant. You know what I mean? And so... yeah. It does open up these conversations of what do we need to do to empower you so that you can be engaged at work, so that you can be productive, so that you can be fulfilled in all areas of your life, not just filling your job description from eight to five. So yeah, I think as we continue to see things like family leave, and I hope that they label it as family leave and not maternity leave, because I think that it should be something that the mother and the father have entitlement Mm. to family leave, because I think if it does come to fruition and it becomes just maternity leave, that will continue to put all of that childbearing pressure on the mother of the family. Which isn't fair. No, not at all. And it's actually really interesting I'm pretty involved with Lean In. I'm on the board of Lean In, and we do a really big study every year in conjunction with McKinsey and Company Mm. about women in corporate America. And it is fascinating because in the last two years, it's still proven true that women are not returning to work at slower rates than men are. They're actually coming back to work just as much as men are. So this whole preconceived notion of if we let women take maternity leave, they're going to milk us for our maternity leave and never come back. It's just not true. It's not happening. So it's really, really interesting. When you actually look at the statistics, there's a lot of these outdated preconceived notions 
that are still attached to women having babies and women working that are just false. But it's going to take a really long time to kind of reverse that very systematic mindset. But yeah, I mean, women are coming back to work just as much. That's crazy because I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Now I should have gone and looked at the statistic, but like that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So there, there really is no correlation between women leaving and taking maternity leave and having absolutely no intention of coming back to work. Yeah. I mean, I'm like just going through my friend list of like how many people went back to work and it, it was like we all wanted our independence. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, yeah. we want to be able to just like still have our thing that mm-hmm. was like not just being a mom. Like we right. were wanting to identify with mom and something yeah. else. Yes. Which kind of takes us to another topic of childcare, which I hope is something else that gets addressed because nothing makes me more upset than having to have conversations with my girlfriends around do I go back to work or do I pay for childcare? And we've had to make the decision as a household that it's actually more cost effective for us as a family for me to stay home and take care of a baby than it is for me to be able to work. And if that's what you choose to do, like, girlfriend, you get it. Like, I know stay-at-home moms that are just killing it, and I love them. And and, they were cut out to do it. Yes, and sometimes I'm totally envious of them. And, like, (laughs) if that is your fulfillment, like, more power to you, sister. I (laughs) praise the ground you walk on, and I think that we need to have really a lot more conversations between stay-at-home moms and, and working women because we're equal in what we do. Totally. Like it's, it's totally equal. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like stay-at-home moms have a harder job. <laughs> totally, that is like yes. such an exhausting job. I can't even imagine because I haven't had to do it yet. Yeah. But that is one thing that really, really like, man, when I want to like dig into this mission, it is having to have those conversations with my girlfriends who are first-time moms who have to figure out how are they going to go back to work. They can't imagine doing it. Like it's, we just don't set people up for success. And the fact that women have been able to do such a phenomenal job thus far is really impressive. Um, well that, and just like multiple kids. So like you can make, I think you financially, you can make one kid in childcare work or, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. but like the reality is, is if you can really only afford one, you're waiting five years before you, you know, want to have another because Mm -hmm. you're looking at three grand a month in childcare if you're going full time. And it's like, that's just not feasible. I mean, I get why childcare is so expensive. It's a lot to take care of a kid, For but sure. like what, where are the, you know, other options of in-house childcare at work, you know, yeah. run the cost of what it would take, but it's like companies just mm-hmm. don't even want to offer that. I don't know. Maybe you have insight on why they wouldn't. Why I wouldn't think, they? I think it's again, because there hasn't been enough people like millennials demanding this type of change. It's just like, they're not, oh, we don't have to do it, so we're not going to. Yeah, and kind of to your point in the beginning about these mission-based companies, like you're seeing companies like the Bumbles of the world who they have in-house They're killing it. They are doing everything right. Like, it is just very impressive to see, and I I have a lot of faith that we'll continue to see these younger companies, these female-led companies, showing people that it's not even an issue. And it's, it's super affordable, but to, I think the reason that companies shy away from it, unfortunately, is because one, the government doesn't mandate it, Yep. so they're not going to do it, Yep. and then two, it's just, again, these kind of outdated mindsets, which I think will drastically see change as companies like Bumble continue to be really successful with demonstrating that it's totally doable. Flex work is doable. Bringing your kid to work is doable. Having work daycare is doable, and these women are thriving at work. And it's so empowering just to be able to see that it's so doable. So I think the more companies that do it and spearhead it and they brag about it and they highlight it and they talk about it, it'll continue to be more and more of a common thing. 
And unemployment is so low right now mm-hmm. that if you're not doing those things to keep your employees, like they're going to leave and go somewhere where they can get that type of That's support. so true. So it's going to get to the point where like if you don't offer any support for your employees, then they're just going to leave and go find somewhere where they can work and be happy. Because we have that freedom right now. Totally. Totally. It's, it's empowering for sure. So let's talk coffee for a second. I don't know about you, but I am the type of person that unadmittedly makes a pot of coffee one day and maybe even uses the leftover coffee the next day and just reheats it. So not good, I know, for like the best tasting coffee. But hey, got to do what you got to do, right? But then I found Trade Coffee Company and you guys have got to check them out. Head on over to their website and take their coffee quiz. They're taking a whole new approach to really just brewing coffee at home. So basically you start by taking a quiz and they get an idea of the type of coffee you like and which beans would be best for you. From there, then they give you these awesome suggestions of which coffees would be the best fit for your coffee preferences. If you're interested and want to try it out, feel free to use the code ABBCHILLIS when checking out and I can get you 50% off your first bag. What, what? So go check it out. Trade Coffee Company. So for you, what are the things that you've done for yourself that you're like, I'm so thankful I advocated for myself or I demanded this or demanded that. Like, what are the things that you've done that you, like other people listening would be like, oh, I need to do that. Or like, I've been thinking about doing that, but I didn't do that or whatever. Like, what are the things that have helped you with your quality of life and Mm work-life balance? So I think first thing that comes to mind is I'm pretty bold when it comes to reaching out to people at work. And I've been able to forge a lot of good relationships. And so, for example, we, about a year ago, we're going to relaunch a couple of aspects of our products that I'd been selling for about three years. And I was on this conference call with probably thousands and thousands of people. They were talking about this revamp. And I was like, you know what? I finished number two in the country last year. Like, I sold more of this than pretty much everybody else. And I still stay in really good contact with my clients. I think I have a lot of good feedback that is relevant to this product revamp that they're doing. So I took a quick screenshot of the guy's name that was heading up, spearheading the whole project, and I just sent him a message on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, I've worked at ADP for seven years. I finished number two in the country. I still stay really close with all my clients. I know that you're revamping a couple of aspects of this product. I think I have some valuable feedback straight from the field, straight from our clients that would be pretty impactful in this project. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm just going to do this. Like, I'm just going to send it. Yeah. Like, I just did it. Well, what does he do? Ignore it. That's, like, the worst thing right. that can happen. And so he messages me back. He's like, wow, this is a really great idea. Let's put together a pilot group of a couple of the top performing producers in the country, and we want to get feedback directly from you guys because you're client-facing every day. And now it's a process that ADP's duplicated amongst various different aspects of when we're revamping a small piece of our project. So I would just say... Which, why wouldn't you do that? That makes total right. sense. And the thing is, I feel like everybody listening, there is aspects of your job where you've sat there and you've just thought, why are we doing it this way? Or why aren't we doing this? And instead of getting frustrated about mm, it... Yes. And, you know, like talking down about people at your job or just like letting it like bother you and just... Or go home and drink because yes. you're so frustrated and that's how you take it out and... Totally. So like my piece of advice there would just be like, be bold. Like, just reach out. Like, just say your ideas. And you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be snarky. You can just say, like, why aren't we doing it this way? Or, hey, have we tried looking at it this way? Exactly. And that's a good point, too. Something I've gotten really good at doing at ADP is something that I call headlining and positioning. 
So before I'm about to like really lay it down on somebody of an idea that I have or a concept or something that I'm going to suggest that's different from what we're currently doing, Mm -hmm. I'll make sure that I headline it or I kind of tee it up pretty nicely. And this is probably a good piece of advice because I've been in sales for so long, so I've gotten pretty good at persuasive communication. Totally. But something that is very beneficial, and every time I'm going to have any of these conversations, is honestly practice it in the mirror. Like, practice saying it in the mirror. And when you're going to headline something, headline it with the reason that you're going to be suggesting this and what the business outcome is going to be. So whether you're in, you know, customer service or you're in accounting, if you know that there's a way that things can be done better, before you come, you know, guns ablazing saying, "Hey, I think we need to redo this process and switch this and make it this way," you know, kind of like how I headlined and I said, "Hey, I'm reaching out to you because I finished number 2 in the country. I sold, you know, almost a million dollars and I have X amount of clients and I stay in touch with them. This is some of the things that I would like to share with you." So headline it with credentialing yourself a little bit Mm. um, because that's going to really help soften the message of whatever it is that you're trying to recommend changes in the workplace. And I think remind people, like, I don't think everyone remembers each other's credentials. That's a brilliant thought is like, hey, let me just remind you of like my past and what Mm -hmm. I've been able to accomplish. Exactly. Yeah. Credentialing yourself is huge. And I remember that was a big concept that was hard for me to wrap my brain around, especially when I was much younger in the workplace. And I was like, geez, what am I going to credential myself around? Just, <laughs> I just got out of college. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but again, like just practice it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just practice it. And it goes back to that confidence piece and the posture that you have when you yeah. say it and all of it. But yeah, so just really being bold and going for it because you know you have good ideas. So just be bold and go for it headline it, make sure you credential yourself so that you do it in a very professional manner. Because again, all of this is is a lot of times in the workplace. Yep. So we're still in a very professional setting. And and that is something too, that's getting trickier to navigate as you show up to makeup, you make up free Mondays or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You're still in a professional setting. So make sure that you, you keep it very professional in your recommendations that you're making. And then I think another thing is making sure that you know internally what it is that you want so you can advocate for it. And I've spent a long time making sure that I know where I want to be in the next five years when it comes to work. Um, And so I think that that's really helped me been able, whether it's a vision board or whether it's meditation, whether it's just envisioning kind of where you want to be. I think a good piece of advice that I also got is like, don't play checkers, play chess. So think like long-term, you know, where do I want to be in five years? And, and what is the next career move that I need to make to get to that place in five years? Because sometimes we can think a little bit short-minded. So really, you know, play chess, don't play checkers. Be bold with your recommendations because your thoughts are valid. Totally. And I think that, you know, really just being your own advocate and making sure that, that you are your biggest cheerleader is going to go the farthest way because there's nobody that you talk with more than yourself. So whatever you're telling yourself in your head, like you're going to manifest that into happening. So make sure that you are your best friend. Your mantra is like what you want it to be outspoken, um, whether that's verbally or with your body language or whatever. That's, you know, goal setting and whether, you know, goal board, writing it down, whatever it is. This year was actually the first year that I wrote my goals down. And I can already tell you it's going to make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Like, it's crazy that I've always been like, oh, I want to do this or I want to do that. But like, 
writing it down and I wrote them down like sectioned off into categories like based on like certain parts of my life like Mm -hmm. whether it was like my relationship or my family or personal or work or whatever and then I did like longevity five well longevity five years of like things that I wanted to do and it was crazy it was like okay, these are all the tiny little steps that if I want to be there in five years, like I need to come up with a plan to get there. Like I'm not just going to like blink and be there in five years. If I blink and be there in five years, I'm going to be where I am now. Mm -hmm. And I had like a huge revelation this year and I've never done like long-term planning and writing it down and really doing that. And I think it's easy to say like, yeah, we should do it. It's a new year, but it's crazy how much more successful that can help you think every single day. And like, Mm -hmm. I bought a whiteboard, it's back over there. And like, I told my husband, like, we're writing them down, we're going to hang it on the wall. And like, we're going to write down like goals that we have for this year, for ourselves, for each other, Mm -hmm. with each other. And then we're going to write down things that we want to achieve in the next couple of years where we see our life going. Because I feel like if you see them all the time, and you write them down, then there's the visual, like you remember writing them down. Yes. And you have to hold yourself accountable. Yes. And then other people can see them. Then you yeah. have to share your goals. Yeah. Because they're out there for the world to see. So it gets it's, it out of your head and like into the world. Yes. Just like that first step of kind of manifesting and it. Beca- and it becomes what you live because you're just, you know that that's where you're going and it can gear you in such a positive way rather than like getting off track by like something really crappy happening. Yeah. Because when something crappy happens, it gets you off track. And like, if you don't know where you were going, then you're just yes. on another track. That's like, yes. And crappy stuff happens at work. Like at I've been work, in life yes. everywhere. Like there will be things that throw you off track and whether it's at work, whether it's in your relationships, like if you have that long-term goal in mind, like you will maneuver back to where you need yeah. to be. And then it, it too, you know, if you know what your end goal is, like there's going to be bumps in the road. It just, it's part of life. So you can kind of get prepared for the journey on how you're going to get to that end goal. And really, once you get to the end goal, you're just going to have another new goal. (laughs) So it's all a big journey. They're never ending. Yeah, it's just a big journey. For sure. How you navigate through it all. Okay, so the one thing that like totally caught my attention, which I have to bring up because I need to know the context of this and I purposefully didn't want to talk about this a ton. I think you know what I'm about to say. But Nikki said like one of the reasons that I had to get in contact with you was your demand, outrageous demand for time off during the week. and. She was like, this girl, Rachel, she just like demanded time off and and needed to work less to get more done. And she got it. And like her boss listened. And I'm like, okay, I've got to meet this girl. Who is this? Because that's probably something I would have done if I was still in corporate America. I feel like, like I probably at some point would have gotten there if I'd been in a company for seven years and been like, you know what? I'm just a better employee if I don't come in on Mondays. Yes. Okay. So it's so true though. So you know, as someone who's been with ADP for seven years and hasn't got burnt out and hasn't left, I experienced those ebbs and flows. Totally. And it was probably about three, four years in. I was like, man, this is just feeling like a grind. Like I'm just kind of doing the same thing all the time. Like I, I need to balance myself a little better. And so again, back to just being really bold and having those conversations, I told my direct manager, I said, listen, I feel like I need a breath of fresh air. And what I need from you guys to really support me is just a little bit more flexibility. And when I ask for this flexibility, I need you to understand that by no means does this mean that my quality of work is going to change whatsoever. Because at the end of the day, when you're talking to anybody in a business setting, they just want to know that you're going to get your work done. Right. So I think that whenever you come to the table with these types of suggestions, whether it's I want to do yoga every Friday at noon and I want to be able to be done with work every Tuesday and Thursday by 3 and I don't ever want to have to come into the office in the mornings before 9 a.m. because I'm just not a, a morning, morning person. person. Yep. Those are kind of like, that's a lot. Like, damn, that's almost one thing every day of the week. 
But if I know that I'm getting all of my work handled and then they know that they have something that they can hold me accountable to. So her deal was, Rachel, I'll give you this flexibility. It makes sense as to why you're asking for it. And I can see why you're asking for it, but we're going to check in quarterly and just make sure that your production isn't being affected by this. Totally fair. That is totally fair. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that again is a good reminder that in this kind of professional workplace setting, you're always going to have to find a little bit of compromise. Yeah. You know, so in my world, that flexibility was really what I needed to be able to feel like I was taking care of myself. I was having my dedicated time to exercise or even just to meditate. Sometimes I would just walk my dog because I just Mm. needed a break. My favorite yoga instructor only teaches Fridays at noon. I can't see him any other time. So being able to have those things that I know I look forward to. And then when I get done and I'm dive back into work, I'm a happier person. I'm more like mellow, just more balanced out. I'm able to get more done and I'm more engaged and I'm just happier at work. And I think that finally employers are having this light bulb moment that if they can have a little bit of flexibility to keep their employees happy, they will be more productive. Totally. It's finally something that people are catching on to. Like it used to be so hard to convince people that this stuff mattered. And now I think that it's really resonating with people that if you have happy, engaged employees, they will be more productive. And whatever that means for you, whether that's, you know, my girlfriend, she is a morning person and she finally got approval to work the seven to four shift. Now, instead of working from eight to five, she works seven to four. Oh, what a, that would, that would be me. That's, that it's would be life changed changing. life. It life has changed changing. her life. It's changed her relationship with her boyfriend. Like, all of it. Yep. And it was just this little simple adjustment that needed to happen in her work life that had this huge trickle effect to every other single aspect of her happiness, of her overall well-being. And I think that that's important to note too that we spend so much time at work. So much time. We spend so much, so time. much time at work. And on top of that, your financial well-being has to do with work. Mm-hmm. So so many different things in our lives can be impacted by work. So it's super important that You put the time in to make sure that you're happy at work. And I think that's key too, is like you have to do the hard work to make sure that you're happy at work because nobody Mm -hmm. can do it but you. So nobody's going to start advocating for you if you're not advocating for yourself. So my girlfriend in that situation, like I'd had many conversations with her about just how to bring up the topic, when to bring it up around performance reviews, when they came out of a really good quarter, how to make sure that she had backup for that last kind of hour in the day because she manages a team of inside sales reps. She has 22 people that report to her. But yeah, just that little tweak and it it hasn't impacted the business at all. It's made her way, way more productive, way more happy. Happier. Better to her team. I mean, she has to show up and motivate 22 people. You need to be engaged to do that. So I think it's just having the conversation and then being really confident in the simple facts that it's doable and people are doing it all over the place. So we just need to make it more of a a common conversation. So that's interesting because I was telling a friend the other day, Back when I was a gymnast, I I had a coach at one point where my parents were still paying the same amount of tuition, but he had this deal with me and he was like, look, if you come in and you get the workout done that everyone else is having to do, but you just don't talk or you just don't lollygag and you just mm-hmm. get it done and you leave and you're done by 630 instead of eight, like nice. I'm going to let you leave at 630. And like looking back and I know memory is memory and you know, it's always skewed, but like 
that was one of my fondest times of gymnastics is because I would come in and for me, I didn't need the social aspect because mm-hmm. I went to regular school. Yep. So I had friends there and I had a whole like group of girls that like going to gymnastics, like I just loved the gymnastics yeah. part of it. And so I was able to come in, I got my workout done. I did the same exact thing that everyone else did. Mm-hmm. I just didn't sit and talk for right. five minutes between each turn to get my, yes. my numbers done. Yeah. And I've always thought it was crazy that employees or employers had to live by the eight to five mm-hmm. concept. And I get there's certain like aspects that that has to happen. But like, right. even I was telling you, the guy who does the audio editing for the podcast, he lives in Lithuania. We don't operate on the same time frame mm-hmm. anymore. So we're just cognizant of that. And we make sure that yeah. we're both, you know, working and planning mm-hmm. with that. And maybe my industry is a little skewed, but but with, the work's getting done. With event planning, we all know when we work. And we all know mm-hmm. that most of the time Mondays are slow because we're all recovering from working the weekend. Yeah. And it's just a known thing and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But we also know that like we're probably sending emails Saturday morning when no one else is. Yep. But it's okay that we're sending emails mm-hmm. at Saturday morning because that's just our work yes. habits. I send emails at 5.30 in the morning because that's when I get up and I have found that I'm a morning person and I love it. Like the stuff that I can get done between 5.30 and 8.30 is mind blowing to me. Even I look back and I'm like, God, I just killed my to-do list and it's 8.30. This is amazing. So nice. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. But it's like, if I was still working for a corporate company, that wouldn't truly be an option, especially if like, you know, your friend, you're relying on other people that are on your team or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is like maybe there's a morning manager and an afternoon manager mm-hmm. or, you know, like maybe you split that yeah. role and you like divide roles differently instead of it having to be this just like everyday same role that we've always had. Exactly. Like, why don't we get creative and why don't we like tend to the people that we have? Because if we're tending to the yeah. that's what's mind blowing to me is like companies don't want to invest in people because they're afraid of investing and then they leave. But it's like if you invest, they won't leave. Right. I don't understand I'm a living that. example of that. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why people wouldn't invest. My old company, I worked for it. It was just like, you were just another number. Yeah. And it's like, why don't you invest? I know. And I I, like truly, truly like now is the time to have those conversations. If you are at any organization and you're feeling stuck and you're feeling like they're not investing, like now is the time to have the conversation, be empowered to have the conversation because they're catching on. I mean, it's really, really fascinating. All I do is sell to business owners all day long. I mean, I meet with CEOs and CFOs and, and HR directors all day, every day. And in the seven years that I've been at ADP, I can say in the last two years, even more so in the last year, that the Me Too movement had a surprising effect on the workforce. Oh, I can imagine. That was pretty powerful. And then on top of that, just how low unemployment is, like if you ask, you're probably going to get at this day and age. So that's why just anybody listening and anybody at work, like you deserve to be happy at work. And as long as you know your value and you know what it is that you're looking for and you know how to articulate what you're going to ask for, the chances of you being able to get it, I feel pretty confident or pretty high. And if they're not, and you're truly, truly unhappy at work, and I've had this conversation with so many of my girlfriends where if you feel like it is to the point where you've exhausted all your options and you are that unhappy at work, then find somewhere else to work. And you're allowed to. You're allowed to. Why do people feel cornered? It's like if it's not working, it's okay to go somewhere else. Yes. You're worth going somewhere else. Yes. Like you don't, you do not have to stay in a miserable situation. 
and you are empowered and you deserve to be happy at work. So like do it, go find your happiness. Cheers. Cheers Cheers to to that. Everyone listening, whether it's your coffee or your (laughs) wine or whatever it is. I don't know if y'all heard me pouring wine earlier. We'll probably pour some more because my glass is almost empty. (laughs) But yes, cheers to investing in people and investing in yourself and having confidence and demanding just what you deserve. There we go. Yep. Pour some more wine. That mic really picks up the wine. (laughs) Okay. So you mentioned Lean In. I want to talk about that a little bit. So for those of you who don't know, Lean In, the book was written by Sheryl Sandberg. And she is a, if you haven't read that book alone, you should. She's amazing. I read it years ago. I don't even remember when it came out. I don't even know how it fell into my lap somehow, but She's a phenomenal person. She's gone through now since the book. I don't know if she's written another one since then. Yeah, she wrote Option B. So her husband okay, passed I mean, away. Yes. You know that, about that. And yes. she wrote another book on the other side of that, which is pretty awesome. That's what I'm interested in because yeah. I was like, this book was pre-husband passing away. Yes. And I knew that he passed away. They live in Silicon Valley and they're very into, she worked for Google and Facebook, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so she's just very into kind of what you're doing, supporting women in the workplace and how you lean in and how she became this highly successful businesswoman who is well-respected and just an awesome person. And so now she has chapters, Mm -hmm. uh, lean in chapters all over the United States. All over the world. All over the world. And you are on the board of the Austin one. Yes. Yeah. So I joined the board of Lean In Austin in June or July of last year. I read the book similar to you. I don't, I was just thinking, I don't remember how I got the book. I don't know. It came to me or, but it's crazy. It really, good job, Cheryl. You just dropped it in our laps. (laughs) Your marketing is working. Um, But yeah, I remember reading this book and it was at a time when I just, I needed a little pick me up. I was feeling kind of stuck at work. I was on the end of those first two years, but when I was trying to get my position that I have now, and then I realized here probably last year that there was local chapters in all these different cities. So what Cheryl had done was after she wrote the book, it resonated with so many different people and they wanted to keep that momentum moving. So they created all of this phenomenal content, Mm. content around, you know, how to have male advocates at work. Wow. How to have a positive mindset so that you can be your best friend how to carry yourself in body language. So there's all of this different content that they created. It's really, really good content. And this was before the Me Too movement, yes. right? Yes. Which is incredible. Yes, it is. Like, you it go, is. Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's really been ahead of this curve Yeah. Um, of this whole, like, women in the workplace and, and that side of things. So they created all this content, and then they encouraged chapters in all these different cities, and they, it ended up being worldwide. So there's chapters in... India and Sweden and all over the world. And what these chapters do is they encourage circles and circles are small groups of women. So in Austin, our circles range from about eight people up to about 40 people. And right now we have five different circles and these circles meet once a month and you can start your own circle or you can just join a circle. But whoever is the circle leader leverages all of this content to lead their monthly meetings. So you basically go to this massive library of all this content and you can pick out on a monthly basis what you want your circle to focus on. So really the goal of this is one, to create leaders because we want women to start circles. And by starting a circle, 
you get all of these tangible skills around, you know, bringing people together, organizing monthly meetings, leading monthly meetings, presentation skills, and you create a really safe space for other women to show up and have super honest conversations about what they're experiencing, everything from home life to work life to, you know, things that they might be embarking on, whether that's entrepreneurship or, you know, working on empowering other women. It's just a a really safe space that we try to create to encourage these conversations and continue to support each other. So you're feeling like you don't have that support at work. Another great thing is like look for local chapters in whatever city you're in. Boss Babes is another one. Boss Babes ATX. Yep. They're a really good support system here. But find a support system that that gives you a place where you can, one, get professional development because that's what Lean In is about. And two, really have a support system of women where you can have these conversations because I think the more that we see that it's happening in all these other places with all these other people, it just becomes so much more normal. And I think that that is something that, you know, traditionally hasn't been highlighted or spotlighted or even really paid much attention to. So yeah, I love Lean In. I love the monthly circle meetings. I'm on the board. I do all of our social media, but we really just try to focus on growing circles and having women come to the circles to get the support that they need, whether that's professional development. Um, And then on top of the circles, we just do quarterly events. So we have big quarterly events. I mean, our last one had probably upwards of 100 people and we bring in different speakers. So we had Lauren Hansen from Negotiate Her and we did a whole like series on negotiating your salary. And we strategically oh, did it towards so the valuable. end of the year so yes. people could carry it into performance review time. She had a lot of good tips on, you know, how to ground yourself in data, how to throw a high anchor and have a low fallback, but just really, really empowering quarterly events. Oh, I would have loved to have been there. Oh, it was so good. The one before that we did was like how to find your personal mission statement. And I mean, I walked out of that thing knowing what my mission statement is. Really? Yes. Which my mission statement is to help align companies and people navigate the new world of work. Like whether I was working at ADP, whether I was just chatting with my girlfriends, like overarching, like that's your mantra. Yeah. Like every single day when I get out of bed, it's just like, how do I help people and companies navigate this new world of work? And you're super passionate I about it. I love it. I love work. It's That's so, so cool. weird, but I love work. It's I just, wish everyone could take a little lesson from you because work. there's so many people that are just, oh, that I know that are just coming to be miserable. And you're just like, oh, you have the power. Yes. Yeah. You have the power to be happy at work and everybody should love their work. You're not stuck. No, oh, no matter how many times you tell yourself that. No you're one not. is stuck. What do you do with people like that? That like are like, no, like you give them an answer and they're going to tell you why that doesn't work and give you an yep. answer and they're going to tell you why it doesn't work. Like, What do you do with that? I would say, so when are you going to get to the point where you leave and make your life better? Because if mm-hmm. you just have an excuse for everything, then like, what is your breaking point? Like, what oh. is your, when are you, when are you going to take initiative of this and stop finding excuses of like everybody else at your company is making you miserable? Like, what is your breaking point when you're going to be like, this is enough? That's a good question. And a lot of times they haven't even thought about it. No, that's why I'm like, right. the people that I know that are doing that, to me, I'm like, they probably have no idea what they're breaking. Right. Is. And if you don't know what that point is, then it's like, do some soul searching. Like, yeah. fig, figure it out, man. Like, what is your end point? Like, is it really making you this unhappy? Is it something you're willing to live with? Because it seems like you're not really pushing hard enough to make anything happen. And if nothing can happen at your job, because I've had girlfriends where they have had to leave their companies because it is just 
not going in. anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, that's okay. Yeah. There's places like that. I mean, not every company is going to survive this total demographic shift that America is experiencing right, right. now. I mean, baby boomers are retiring at a rapid rate. Millennials are going to be 75% of the workforce by 2020, which is a stat I've been saving for five years. And now it's Hello, we're almost 11 there. months away. <laughs> like, it's here. Um, I mean, and then you have <laughs> the new generation coming in who, you know. Centennials. Centennials. What are we going to do with them? <laughs> you know, it's just, it is ever evolving. And I think it's just such an exciting time to be so immersed in the world of work as we experience this massive talent shift that's about to happen. I mean, people are even like a whole other topic, but like artificial intelligence and robots are going to take over a lot of jobs in the next coming years. And like, I mean, I heard this stat that 60% of the jobs that are going to be around in the next 20 years, we don't even know what they are yet. Because oh, that makes sense. Because there's going to be so much automation around artificial intelligence, and right, and so there's going to be this skill shortage. I think that we'll experience, and that trickles into education and all these other things. But like work, it all ties back to work. Like that is why work is just so important. Yeah, whatever it looks like for you, you know. And I think for me, when I and I always say this, and you know, I'm sure certain people that are like life coaches or whatever disagree with this statement, but I've always said to people, like. I've always, I don't know how to say this in past tense, but faked it till I made it. Mm -hmm. Like I always fake it till I make it. And I might have confidence in myself that I can accomplish something, but I may know deep down that I probably don't have the credentials that a normal person would need to accomplish whatever it is, but I'm just going to pretend like I can handle it to the point where I'm going to handle it and then I'm going to do it. And then I then have that credential. Yes. Okay. So another (laughs) interesting, we just high fived in case you guys are wondering. That makes me so happy, though, because statistically, men will apply for a job when they meet 60% of the requirements. So if a man is looking at a job and he meets 60% of it, eh, he'll apply. He'll go for it. Women statistically will not apply for a position unless they meet almost 100% of the requirements. I was going to say 95%. Yeah. And that... Guilty. (laughs) Right. And so it's great, though, that you are already coming into that level of confidence that traditionally has been exclusively for our male counterparts. And that's why sometimes we're just scratching our head. Like, how did this person get this job? And sometimes it's just because they have more balls to go for it. And yeah, they just faked it better than we yes. did. Yeah. That's all that this whole thing has been happening. It's just people are faking it until they make it better than women have been doing. Because we're honest aides. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's like, I have an event coming up in February that I'm doing and it's a very political event and mm. it's the first one. And I'm, I'm, basically a subcontractor for this PR company. And that's uh-huh. how I'm, I've gotten the event. And I'm, I think about it and I look at it and I'm like, I am so underqualified for this. Like, why are they trusting me? I plan like 80% of my events every year weddings right now. Yeah. Like, why are they trusting me with this? And then, you know, I had to stop and think. I'm like, okay, I have a crap load of nonprofit event experience. Okay, I have to use that. And I cannot... Even if I wasn't leading doing that event experience, I was a part of that experience and I know what it takes. So I got to at least like give myself some credit there. And, you know, the beginning of the planning of this event was just like catastrophic. Okay, not catastrophic, that's a little (laughs) dramatic, but like it wasn't good. And I was on these phone calls with the client and I just felt like I was stumbling over my words Mm -hmm. and like I had... I just didn't have it together. And I was telling one of my friends, I was like, God, I just feel like I'm failing epically at this. Like, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, 
well, tell me about like, why do you feel like you could put this on? And I'm like, well, I got to do this and I got it. And I started rambling off. She's like, you got it. Yep. And it was like a light bulb switch in every yes. call since then. I was like, it doesn't matter if I haven't done this exact event before. I know that if I apply everything that I have in the past, I'm going to be able to figure this out. Yes. And I will have resources that I can use mm-hmm. that will help set me up for success that like, if I don't know something, I'm willing to ask for help. Yes. And that's where like, I was like, okay, I can do this because I know where I can get help and the places that I feel like I might not have expertise mm-hmm. and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to do it. And it may not be perfect. Fortunately, this client is like, has no idea what to expect, but, um, they don't know any better. Whatever they get, it's going to be awesome, yeah. right? Which I don't want to say that that's the expectation because I want to give them an amazing experience. But it helped me be, I think, a little bit more lax with myself. And I'm, like, realizing now, I'm like, it's going to be a freaking awesome event. And, like, I would have never said, like, yes, by myself. Like, I can throw that event. And now I'm like, oh, psh, I got this. I right. can do this. this is, it's just same thing, different. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's giving ourselves ourselves as women the opportunities to grow and stretch into things like that. And it's fun to do new things. It's like intriguing and happy and like... Yes. But you just have to believe in yourself that you can do it and like go for it. So whether it's a job that you think you don't meet all the requirements for, or maybe you do want to move into leadership, move into management, whatever it is, like leverage your strengths that you know you already have. You can cross-reference things all day long. Like you can pull your strengths together to be a good foundation for whatever it is you're trying to stretch into and then just go for it. And then also use strengths below you. So I'm learning that in entrepreneurship, like I can't afford a full-time employee. Mm -hmm. I wish I could. I would love to hire a full-time employee, but I can't. So I'm like, hey, you college girl that loves doing social media, you want to do my social media? Yes. I'll pay you per post. Like Totally. Come on, girl. Like, okay, so I've got like a, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of an employee, but like, you know, whatever, but I'm not having to hire a social media person. Like you're just going to take over my Instagram for right now because I know you're good at Instagram and like taking people's like just analyzing what they're good at and like utilizing it. Because I feel like I do have a lot of people listening that are like wanting to start their own thing or they're doing Mm -hmm. their own thing. And it's like, you don't have to hire a full position. Just network and find someone who maybe even on the side works for ADP and does our social media, right. but maybe wants to just do yours for fun and make a little side exactly. cast for trips. That's what I was just like, thinking. Like you probably gave that girl a good work balance. Yeah. You know, like she probably has income now from doing your social posts. She might do it for other people. And like that is fulfilling her work side of things and it's fulfilling your needs as a business owner. So it be, all comes full circle. It's all full circle and you just never know, like you have to be open to non-traditional. Yes. Yeah. Non-traditional, I feel like, is what's big right now. Oh, it's for sure. Just... I mean, we're living in a state of constant change, mm-hmm. like innovation, constant change. I heard this quote. I hope I can remember it right, but it was something like, if you're uncomfortable with change, that's unfortunate because it's not going to get any slower. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. I laugh at agreeance. Yeah. Like, I was just like, damn, that is so true. Like, yeah. change is not going to slow down. By any means. So yeah, like reach out to your network, be innovative, like figure out how you can leverage people to help with whatever is going to help benefit you, but you're probably also helping her develop her strengths. You know what I mean? Um, So I think that when it comes to the world of work, we're going to see a lot more gig economy, freelancers, people in Eastern Europe doing podcast edits in Austin, Texas, like that type of interconnectivity is going to become so, so common. And it's going to put us in a landscape where we very much become a global economy which I think will only have benefits again love to the world that of way. work. I'm all about that. That would be amazing. Yeah, for those that are listening and don't know the reference, 
my sound edit guy is from Lithuania. (laughs) So goodbye, Abby, having to edit everything. Now I get to hand it off to somebody else and he does an amazing job and everyone thinks that I'm just doing this great editing and, you know, here we are. It's like we haven't even met and he does a great job. Yeah. (laughs) And he's going to be listening to this cracking up in his desk. Like, it's so funny, but like, it works. And we chatted on Facebook, talked a little over the phone and here we are. And like, that's his work. Like, that's his world of work. And he does a great job. Yeah. He just gave me his credentials of where he was coming from and why he was starting, and it was great. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no boundaries. There's no, no boundaries. boundaries. Non-traditional is the thing, and confidence. I think yeah. that's huge. Yeah. Just know that you're not alone. That's probably what I feel like when a lot of my girlfriends come to me for insight or advice, it's because they feel like they're alone and they don't have a support system. Backed into a corner. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing for people to know is that Everyone is experiencing and trying to navigate work and it's changing for everyone and it's it's hard for everybody. I still don't have it all figured out. I have great weeks, I have hard weeks, it's normal, it's it's the world of work and it's ever evolving. But you're not alone and you definitely have a support system. And the more that you can feel confident having those conversations, just like we're having now, or just listening to podcasts about it, you'll become much more empowered to then be able to have those same conversations with people that can make a difference yep. in, in your world of work. Yep. Totally. So who's with me on starting a circle? Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like so down. I want to do this. I want to come to yours if you have one. I don't yeah. know what I need to do. I but don't I have totally my will. own circle, but I am seriously considering starting a circle <gasps> that is just for women at work. Like we have a circle right now for seminists and we have a circle for like Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and like we have a couple. So I'm really, really thinking about launching a circle that is just to support women at work. You guys reach out to me if you would join so, Rachel's circle because I totally would. I just put it out in the universe, so I'm probably going to do it now. <laughs> yes, do it. No, seriously, I would yeah. totally do it, and I would support and help. It but would I don't be amazing. know. I would love to be a part of. Yeah, it and it's you. not super hard. Like starting a circle, they make it really easy. They give you the content. You just you know organize monthly meetings, and we usually do it at the Austin Library because you can rent out those cool rooms and stuff. Yeah, so it's super easy. And yeah, I could probably help you with a, with a great venues support. too if yeah. you wanted to change it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. Okay, we'll follow up on that for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for tuning in. This was so freaking awesome. We met tonight, for those of you that don't know. Like, this was just us, like, coming together and our brains splurging and exploding. And I hope you guys got something out of it. Um, I hope you can take some of what Rachel's talked about and you can apply it into your everyday life. And if you want more, you're on social media, like you all want to follow her. Do you care to share? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You guys can follow me. My Instagram is Rach underscore DeCherno. It's D-A-C-I-E-R-N-O. And then you can also just follow ATX or Lean In ATX because I do all of the Lean In social media here in Austin. So whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, find Lean In, and I'm the one behind all of that. If not, you can find me on my personal Instagram. I would love to support you guys in any way possible. Come at me with your crazy HR stuff. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're not in Austin and you're listening, like find your local one wherever you are, or if there's not one, start one. Start one. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back soon. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Loving This Life podcast. It is because of people like you tuning in each episode that Loving This Life has a purpose. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. This is how we spread the love and reach more amazing people like you. 
I also want to say a special thank you to Ella Reed. She so graciously shared her empowering and uplifting song, Walk On, for us to use on the podcast. And lastly, remember to wake up each day being confident with who you are, but also love yourself enough to change for the better. Peace, y'all. Bigger than this one more left. Go on.